0: This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley.
1: Arkansas wins the
2: national championship!
0: Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials.
2: Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown!
3: All right, Matt Jones. What are what are we listening to here? These words caught my ear.
0: Tom Waits uh, going out west. Now, Tom Waits is uh he he's he's done a lot of couple movies that I really like. The Book of Eli with uh, Denzel Washington. That's a good one. Um Oh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, it's a Cohen Brothers movie. I, I would recommend it if you haven't seen it. But uh, yeah, another good one. I'm just surprised he was singing in this song because he doesn't ever do that. He's got that. Uh, who, who's the voice? It's the the Joe Cocker voice. He's kind of got that that uh, that that gravel in his voice. Oh yeah.
3: It's like he chews rocks before he right. starts and he doesn't even he's not rapping. He's not singing normally. He's just he's just talking. It's
0: like your uh your your boy that says, you know, how can I sing this with all these marbles in my mouth? Uh Will weird Al. Oh, yeah.
3: He is my boy. I'll take that one. Um uh, this'll tell you how good Landon Jackson was against Alabama. Nine times out of ten. Now let me go a little different. Nineteen times out of twenty. Um the weekly awards from the SEC only come from winning teams. Mm-hmm. Landon Jackson is defensive lineman of the week in the SEC. No,
0: no question. He kept us in that game. Uh, made made some big plays. Uh, man, it's uh, that's that's one of the best performances I've seen from a defensive lineman, uh, a Razorback defensive lineman, in a while. I mean, that's uh, that's getting it done right there.
3: Let me go back to my box score here. I, I, hey, sure he you know he what? Seven solo tackles, eleven total tackles, three and a half sacks.
0: It was a handful. Even if he's going up against a freshman, you know, he's suited up. He got out there on the field. He's good. I mean, you, you play against the guys that, uh, that are uh, lined up against you.
3: And for the season now, because he only came in with two sacks, uh, five and a half sacks, 30 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for a loss. Now he leads Arkansas in, uh, in, the, t- in the categories you want from your defensive end, TFLs and sacks. Uh, still looking for more of the, the quarterback hurries.
0: What do you think of uh of Greer? Uh what do you think of Jeff Coat? Did you think that they did uh you know Greer had to step in for Chris Paul? Was was he the guy calling the plays? I thought he handled it well. Uh he all right. He, Jeff Coat kind of was uh, you didn't you didn't hear too much from he him. He was on the other side, yeah. Yeah. You didn't you didn't hear too much from him.
3: And and I think I think the right tackle had a little more experience. One tackle, one assist uh for Trajan Jeff Coat. So the hogs got five sacks total uh, three and a half for Jackson and then uh, Jaheem Thomas and Hudson Clark combined on one Jashad Stewart got half a sack when he combined with Landon in there 877-377-6963 calls and texts on the McClarty Daniel hotline Charlie is up first hey Charlie a little early today but obviously you got the uh, you got the memo how you doing today
4: I'm good, but see, the memo for me is Phil. I'm not calling in. This isn't therapy for me today. Um, you know, I came out of that game similar to the LSU game, you know, where there is a lot of positives from it. And I understand there's, as Matt, you just said, we're still two and five. I mean, I don't believe in moral victories, but when you look at an offensive line that has struggled like ours, the fact that they got any sort of movement against Alabama is a positive. That's the positive part. And I'll tell you somebody else could get an attaboy. Cam Little and Max Fletcher both get an add-a-boy. They did a great job. Uh, I thought Max Fletcher may have played his best game as a Razorback. Now I know one of them bounced about 20 yards after he kicked it, but, or maybe even longer. But I think they played, uh, Max played one of his better games. Uh, 6.3. Phil, what does that number mean to you? 6.3 average yards per carry. Right now, the leader for Arkansas is A.J. Green. Now, I don't know if he's if he's just banged up or what, and I like Rashad Dubinion, Matt. I'm a fan just like you, but the dude had six carries, 44 yards the other day. Can you explain to me why? <laughs> I mean, listen, I like Dubinion, but there's times where he just, to me, I don't feel, you You see the game, you're up close. Does it not look like he dances a little too much sometimes, like in the backfield, and thinks too much to about Rashad?
3: Potentially. I mean, I, I mean potentially. I've, I've seen him hit, there have been games where he's been the quickest to the hole of any of the running backs. There have yeah. definitely been games like that. I don't know if this past weekend was one of them, uh, but there have been. And that's also part of what, you're searching for here is, you know, if Rocket isn't playing and, man, I mean, who knows what's going on there? It sounded like he had to visit another specialist for the knee, you know, uh, was a surprise hey, scratch. I don't know if he'll be, you know, who knows what'll, what his availability is this Saturday. So you're searching for a feature back and, and you're yeah. not getting, I mean, AJ has had, look, there've been there've been moments where he looks like the guy that you want out there for 15 to 20 carries, Um, and then there's other times where it looks like Dubinion, and I think that's been a little bit of a back and forth.
4: Yeah. The only other thing about Dubinion that I'm not liking is the way he pass protects right now, and I thought on that play that KJ made a heroic play, Matt, was he not supposed to at least chip there or something, or was that, was he supposed to grab that guy, or is that a whiff right there? You
0: you know, Charlie, I know the play you're talking about. I'd have to see it again on film. I, I can't remember.
1: Okay. There was well, there was, was, was a play
3: a- where he did get a chip tackle on a on a uh, I think it was a, a defensive end and, and that opened up a lane for KJ. I'm talking AJ yeah. Green got the little you know like you knocked him to the ground or a pancake, but he knocked him off course and KJ took advantage of that. So, but I think there's I mean it's yeah. just, I just you haven't had consistency uh, in the run game and I think that goes to the running backs too because AJ's had his That's moments. Rashad has had his moments, but then there've been other moments where it's just kind of not regression. But you know, you re, you're reminded why why Rocket is is RB one in that case. Rocket's not
5: healthy.
4: <laughs> yeah, and I'm worried. I think Rocket'll probably, honestly, guys, he might be shut down for the year. They're going I don't know. I, I'm just guessing, but if that happens, it happens. My my thing with AJ was I just wondered, you know, the other day, let's ride the hot hand. Six carries, forty-four yards. But other than that, I'm proud of this team. Like you guys have talked about, but we're two and five, and we gotta we gotta get hot there down the stretch. And I believe we can. I think we're gonna win out. I really do. I believe it. I'm going. I'm on set now. Y'all have a good one.
3: All right, Charlie. It's good to hear from you. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Our McClarty Daniel hotline. Clint texted in. And, he's, and and Clint asked about mediocrity. He says, at what point is mediocrity not okay? Soft and slow. He doesn't have any attaboys today. He just wants wins. And you can appreciate that, too. Look, I would, when, you, when you go into a football season and you see the schedule, nobody, nobody circles the Alabama game and says, yeah, that's a win, especially when it's in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but it's not this game. It's not this game where I think the frustration comes from. It's the streak. It's the streak and the feeling that those, are, those were your chances to drum up an upset. And there were some opportunities there. And then the next the next chance, really, for an upset is when you go on the road in Gainesville. And I guess we'll worry about that week. That week.
0: You know, I, that, that pass that Debinion caught, that, that was a big-time touchdown pass. Uh, yeah, A.J. looked good. It's almost like Phil. It's it's like whatever running back starts, uh, then the, the other one's just a little more hungry when he gets in. You know, that the, the second guy gets in, it's like, oh, yeah, he, he's ready to go. Uh, but, yeah, you got to make... You got to make more winning plays. We we left, and and I and I, I say this, you know, it's on us. It's 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 uh, it's attention to detail, uh, it's discipline, it, it, it's making winning plays when you have to. You can't drop passes. We we still having too many drops. Uh, and and then when Dominion gets that that lane right there, hitting it, hitting the hole, man, you you got to. You got to hit it at the right time and, 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 and make the big play. You that's just an easy play left out there that Alabama had nothing to do with. That we just we tripped on our own feet. Right, and there, I mean that that to me is
3: what leads to, you know, a streak of five losses where four of them were by one score. That to me is all, always means, and it, and it, to me it means this in every sport. Did you? And think- I'm not going to put it on officiating. I'm not putting it on on umpiring in baseball. The other team made more plays. They had bigger moments than you had. And you have a streak of this in front of you, which is the, which is the proof. And, and until, until that big play goes the other direction, that's what, that's what they are. This Saturday, Matt, that's when hopefully that starts to change a little bit. You've been playing the best teams on your schedule. What's ahead of you are not the best teams on your schedule, truthfully.
0: I liked our tempo uh, in that hurry up. I, I did. I like the the quick throws that KJ was making. Did you think? Because that that was one that was a read that you know he can give it into the running back's belly, uh, and he's reading the linebacker and then throw it right to Tesla. But the safety knows that, and he came in there and 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 chunked on him. Do you think that was a play that that could warranted a fifteen-yard uh, flag right there when that hit on Tesla? You know, when I wa- watching the game from the booth,
3: I did. When I watched the replay of the game this morning, I did not, and it was from the other perspective. I didn't see him get hit. It's not a defenseless receiver, though. I don't know if I. Yeah. I don't know if that's what I saw. I mean, I saw him going going up for the ball. I saw a, a defensive back.
0: Go with his shoulder. It's, it seems like I've seen I've seen easier, softer penalties called fifteen yards than uh, that. You probably have. right, and that's why I was like, "Well, you know." But yeah, so he he didn't lead with the crown of his helmet. But I didn't know if you thought he was def- defenseless or not
3: initially. To the naked eye, I did think it was I did think it was a penalty. Um, but again, yeah, when I watched it and and slowed it down, I wasn't I wasn't too sure about that. I did think that an Alabama defensive end was offside later on in that very same. Uh, on that very same drive, uh, and that didn't get called. So you know, but I mean, you want to talk about penalties for a moment here? Just two penalties for the game, I guess. There were there might have been a holding call or two that uh, that Alabama didn't take, but you know, you didn't. It wasn't penalties this time. It wasn't penalties this time. Really, I mean, here's here's to me. This is why Arkansas lost against Alabama. It's because you were down twenty-four to six. It's because you went an entire quarter without a first down, and then half of the next quarter without one. Too many three and outs at times, you know, and you wanted, you needed to keep that game close. 24-6 to 6 isn't really close, but then a couple of touchdowns later, it's like, well, we're that close. You can't have, an, you can't have a quarter where you get shut down totally. You know, the good thing is that at least they did start to move the ball in the second half because there have been other games where you had trouble moving it, and then the second half got worse thinking the A&M game. So again, it was you know, just a little bit of a, of a forward push from a, from a quarter that when you look back on it, it's, a, well, there's one reason why you might lose a game that's decided by three points. Because one team's defense totally dominated the others for longer than a quarter. And more, much more times, much more often than not, that, that team that has the dominant quarter and a half is going to win. You know, and as well as Arkansas played in the second half you know, I wouldn't say that they were dominant. They just—they were the better team in that second half, but Alabama had a dominant second quarter, 14 points. Arkansas, I don't think, had a first down in that quarter. And, you know, I mean, you look back at it, not, it's not finger-pointing, but that's a major reason why you lose a football game like that. We'll have more time for calls and texts as we go throughout halftime today. You got the uh, NLCS kicking off, well... Don't say that. You can't use a football term for a baseball series. I'm better than that. That disappoints me. Uh, this but is therapy Monday. Put... I get angry
0: at myself for moments. Next like thing you would be like, got to put more points on the board. We break out the tissues for that one. Okay.
1: Passion is something that exists! And all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs, whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season.
3: Mike, always appreciate your visiting with us on these Mondays. How are you today?
5: Oh, a little bit better. I, you know, I don't feel bad about what happened over the weekend. Um, I, I, you know, I was checking out social media. There was a pretty positive reaction to, to how well they played. I think it softened uh, some of the anger. I think most people are just glad that that stretch is over now and you're going to be playing some home games. I mean, you, you, have, you are sitting there at 0-4, at the bottom of the entire SEC with Vanderbilt at 0-4. But those teams that are down there just ahead of you, none of them have played Alabama, LSU, Mississippi, and A&M all in a row. And I still think some people don't understand the impact of that, of having to do that away from home. And that's all over now. It all now depends on these next five games. You know, four of them are at home. And how well do you play? What's the crowd going to be like this weekend? Nobody seems to know. I was told they, they're within 2,000 tickets of a sellout, but they don't know how many are going to show up. But I think yeah, there'll be support there, and I think they'll play better from here on out. I think they'll, they played. I don't know if they'll play better. I, I think it's not going to be as hard to win football games from here on out.
3: Mike, I think, and I agree. I mean, I, I think that there, there are reasons to, to look ahead based on this performance and, and and even some of the others during this losing streak, and expect that that you, you can have a successful back half of the season. Uh, in order to do that, though, you know you've got to you know <laughs> this five game losing streak. Four of them are, are, are decided by one by one possession. You get a couple of three point losses in there too. It's like you know how do you how do you flip that? Is it a matter of that you've been playing better teams, and that there are teams ahead of you that maybe haven't been making those plays? I mean, you've got to find a way to be the team that wins by three or wins by six because, man, I mean, you have this track record in Coach Pittman's tenure at Arkansas where those games generally have gone to the opponent, uh, and right here in front of you, you see you know, fresh evidence that it's just they're a team that, that struggles to loot to win that, that close game.
5: Yeah, I think you have to hope that the games don't come down to that, that you've got a bigger pad. Um, if this defense continues to improve every week, and it has, it may reach a point very quickly where you only have to score about 10 points to win a game because that's how good this defense is. There have been some positive signs offensively the last couple of games. Yes, it's frustrating. It's very hard to understand how you can go five and out, five three and outs from mid-first quarter all the way to the end of the third quarter. That's, that just can think of that. Let that, let that sink in. What that does to your defense for five straight three and outs. But then, out of nowhere, you have two back-to-back long ball-controlled touchdown drives that are perfect. And so what's the difference? Some of it was K.J. just kind of He just kind of put the team on his back. But, guys, the play calling was better. That one touchdown, the 14-yard, I think it was, touchdown pass to the vinion that wasn't your typical screen pass to a running back. That was, he goes down and out and into the end zone and he's open and you hit him. And then, I'm sitting there watching this thing with Courtney Mims where they go for the two-point conversion and I told her, I said, they're going to try to run it and it's going to fail. And then they threw the little slant into uh, Andrew Armstrong and I'm going, where has that play been? Where is that play been on all these red zone situations, all these fourth down plays, fourth and short? Because I love that play. So, Hopefully they're starting to get a little more creative and change the play calling up a little bit because if you can just improve a little bit offensively, the fact that the, that the competition's not what it has been and your defense just continues to get better and better, I, I, I just feel good about these next few games.
0: Mike, yeah, well, with the offense, how did you like that, uh, that no huddle with tempo that they, they ran a couple times during the game?
5: Yeah, I liked it. And, again, it's one of those things where you're saying, why don't they do something that's kind of similar to last year? And it takes this far to to get to that point. But, yeah, you're at least you're there. And, you know, Sam Pittman said Monday a week ago, he, in his press conference, he said, we got to move the pocket. He said it several times. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you know what? You didn't really do it intentionally in this game. K.J. did it some on his own. But they still don't seem to get the concept that he's better getting, getting out of that pocket where he's a target and getting out and rolling out on the edges. And I, I, I don't know if he's getting overruled or or, or or Enos is just saying, no, I don't want to do that, and he's going along with it. There's so many things that you, you'd love to be a fly on the wall in those coaches' meetings and try to figure out what's really happening there. Um, but, again, I, I don't want to be too critical because I do think there's some good th- – they did some things like the tempo, like the play calling was altered a little bit. Uh, everybody's been talking about, we got to get Satinia in there. We got to take advantage. Well, they did. So are we going to see more of that? Hopefully.
3: I, I agree with you. And uh, it, feel, it feels like me that there's been a little bit of a disconnect between some of the things that <clears throat> Coach Pittman has said throughout the week. And it's it's happened a couple of weeks where he talks about, we've got to move the pocket. And it's not like he's saying we're going to move the pocket. He says we've got to. And it hasn't really <laughs> happened later on in the week. And it makes me wonder if there's a if there's a little bit of a disconnect between him and 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 Dan Enos when it comes to that thing specifically. Because I've been wondering myself, even the ESPN announcers, <clears throat> they were wondering about it. Where, where move the pocket a little bit if you if you need some extra time. So uh yeah, i I've, I've felt that disconnect too, Mike.
5: There are all these questions, and, like, one of them is going to specifically asked our guy over there today. Ask this question. People want to know what's the deal with A.J. Green. He's got that six-plus yards per carry average. Nobody else is even half that. And he's got half the carries of of And nobody can figure out what's going on there. So I sent a guy over there today because some of the fans have saying, no, that's Jimmy Smith's call. That's the running back's coach's call. So we're going to find out. Who decides that, and what? what is the reasoning behind that? Because some have been saying that DeBinion, you know, that Smith was the head coach at one time at the school where DeBinion came from. There's a pot bias there. Uh, there's all these questions that get asked, but you do have to say to yourself, what is that? When fans start asking questions like that, they deserve answers.
0: Mike, this defense has shown up week after week, and, and Landon Jackson put on a show uh, what, what what do you expect going forward? I know you kind of jokingly said uh, you know you know the hogs just got to score ten, but what, what how, how good can this defense be for the rest of the year?
5: Yeah, I, I just I hope they can continue to improve. In fact, Matt, I found myself asking this question because somebody asked me over the weekend: Is it harder? Do you have trouble when you have to replace both coordinators in one season? And I was trying to remember when that had happened. It obviously happens when you get a new head coach. But what I thought to myself was if Odom had left a year earlier and and Travis Williams had been the defensive coordinator last year, not only would you have had a better season last year, but think about if this defense came back this year, having had one year under Travis Williams, I don't think the the BYU loss happens. I don't think BYU could line up and score in the 30s against Arkansas right now. So they're getting better. Hopefully they can continue to get better. And then you sort of – when I talk to people about whether Pittman is, they want Pittman back or not, you know what, they all all say, I, I just want Travis Williams back <laughs> to see what that defense can be like next year.
3: Mike, who's the number two receiver on this team? <clears throat> it's obvious, Andrew Armstrong is number one. Uh, they got Tesla more involved in the offense this past weekend, uh, and you know, seven targets, four catches, that wasn't all on him for the three that didn't get caught. Um, you know, they've auditioned Tyrone Broden at times to be maybe the number two. He had a case of the drops this past weekend, Jaden Wilson at times, but he's kind of disappeared. Uh, is Satania potentially, you know, your number two receiver? Because I feel like you're still waiting for KJ to develop some, some uh, rhythm with, it, with another receiver. He has that with Armstrong, he had that with Has. I think it's been on and off with Washington. We saw it last week, we didn't see it this week. What about Satania?
5: I mean, I, I would love to see it. Um, you hear, you get all this stuff from people. Well, you know, he's controlled on the line of scrimmage. He's not fast. He's not physical enough. He can't get open early. I, Whatever. Yeah, you'd like to see that. That's why that was a, an encouraging development. But with this law, I've looked at this over and over again, and I think some of that may be they just, they're, they're not setting him up for success. I think maybe his pass routes need to be different. He's going into heavy traffic, and he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he does have good leaping ability. He's got good hands. I think some of it may be just running plays that benefit him a little better because I think he's a good player. Um, but you're right in that K.J. doesn't tend to do a progression thing. He, he's going to look for one or two guys that he likes. And who's that going to be? And right now there's just kind of one that's there that's standing out. And there needs to be more than one, for sure.
0: Mike, how impressed has, has uh, Cam Little been this year? And, and I, our, punt, our punt punt, coverage and punt's been better, I think, this year than last year. But our field goal kicker's been, he, he's been on fire this year.
5: Oh, man, he is. I mean, when you somebody asked me about uh, would I be second-guessing all these going for it on, on, on third and fourth and short? Yes, I would. Because, first of all, if you have this defense... And, and their ability, Arkansas's ability to punt, which sometimes is 50, 60 yards, why would you try to go for it behind this old line? So a part of that is, yeah, you've got a guy that can punt. You've also got a field goal kicker that if you get maybe just 10 yards inside the 50-yard line, you got a shot at a field goal. And, you know, I, I saw some people talking on social media about coaches they wanted gone, and they had Scott Fountain on there, and I'm going, where's that coming from? where's the problem with special teams right now? Are you serious? That's one of the best parts of this team. And, you know, Little is just, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he's, golly, he's got to be one of the best kickers in the country. And he's an interesting guy, too, because when he was being interviewed last week and they were asking about whether this team had kind of lost momentum, he had the best answer of any of them. He, he sounded like a coach. So hes a, he's been a real pleasant kind of a pleasant thing in the middle of a lot of depressive stuff this year.
3: What do you think of Alabama? Uh, is this uh, to me that does not look like a like a team that's going to finish the season with one loss. I I think they're vulnerable. I mean it depends on who's ahead of them but you know, they get Tennessee this weekend. I think Tennessee could wear out that uh, that offensive line a little bit. Uh, they've got, uh, let me look at my Alabama schedule here. LSU, who knows what happens with LSU. If they can stop Bama a little bit, they can score on him, I think. Kentucky on the road. Yeah. You think you, you, th- you see another loss there for Bama?
5: If you ask me what I think, as I sit here right now, I still think Bama will win the West. And I think they'll win the SEC championship game. I think they can beat Georgia this year. I think Georgia's more suspect than Alabama. Alabama has gotten better. And maybe Arkansas playing them that close gives people the impression that Alabama is not as good as maybe you thought they were. But they can be explosive at times. Uh, you know They can throw the deep ball. Got, they can run it some. And their defense, you can't question that. So somebody asked me, is it business as usual this year? And I think it is. To me, I think it's going to be those two teams again in the championship game.
0: Yeah, I see. I see Bama winning the West. That that that'd be a good matchup, you know. If you get Bama, Georgia, in that SEC championship game, you you get a you get a Texas, Oklahoma. You think that'd be the 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 Big Twelve championship game? The two inc- incumbents, uh, Texas and Oklahoma.
5: Yeah, you would think so, and then that would be interesting. Anyway, it'd be fun to watch. Um, We'll see, but you know I still enjoy watching other teams, too, so I'd look forward to that. I'm, I'm more of an Alabama guy than a, than a Georgia guy. I, I have so much respect for Saban. I, can't, I, I could talk all day about this guy. He's, a, he's an amazing coach. The thing I love about him is that he takes five-star athletes and works them like they're two stars and makes them like it and just chews guys out left and right, and then they get on TV and talk about how they like to be chewed out. This guy's
3: amazing. Um, I think he is amazing. I I agree. I I think he's a tremendous coach, and I think he's done a great job with this team. But, I mean, I think that they could be a little bit limited offensively. I think they'll still win the West, but I have a feeling they may do that with one loss, Matt.
0: Hey, Mike, uh, I, I just saw the, the preseason basketball. I do want to ask you a basketball question. Hogs are, are preseason number 14. Uh, you think that's about right for this, for this basketball team?
5: It'd be okay if that's where they started because I always believe that you're better off being picked lower and it gives your guys incentive. But based on what I saw in that red-white game, this is a totally different team than it was a year ago. A year ago, you were relying re- really heavily on some very talented but inexperienced freshmen, and they don't have that problem this year. Um, I think I told you guys, maybe I told you guys last week that that red-white game, one of the referees came up to me at halftime and he was just talking about how much better this team is than a year ago with, in terms of having veteran players. They shoot better. They share the ball better. Um, I think they're playing better defense. I, they played hard. They were worn out when that game was over. They didn't mind admitting that. So I'm really excited to. I, I want to go to this game Friday and see. And, and I'm going to have a battle on my hands because they make me go out and shoot high school football on Friday night. I'm going, come on! I got to go to the basketball game. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it.
3: Man, we've talked mostly about the hogs in Alabama and the path moving forward. There's a lot. There's a lot of other things we can get to here instead of the uh, frustration of the football season yet, or even the good things that you watched on Saturday. Because I think we we made it we, to just uh, about all of them, haven't we?
0: Well, yeah. I watched. a uh, little watched a little bit of uh, Germany and USA play soccer. Uh, c- Captain. Uh, Captain America, Christian Pulisic scored a goal. We, we lost three to one. And then I watched uh, the, the baseball game last night. I actually texted you a couple times. Uh, the the Astros and the Rangers uh, kick things off uh, game one. Yeah, Jordan Montgomery. Cardinals fans are like, man, man. I like how he his neck hair, he didn't shave his. He, he's like, I don't need to go. It's like pitcher day. He's like, I don't need it. I don't need a haircut. Drew's got a little bit of that lumberjack thing going on.
3: He's a big boy. He is a big boy, 6'6", 228, and great location yesterday. He, was, he put on a master class of location, and it was 90 pitches. It feels like two-thirds of them were exactly, I mean exactly, where he wanted them to go. And they beat a Hall of Famer. Justin Verlander was good, but was not good enough. He had a home run from your number nine hitter, Laoti Tavares uh and uh, and man the rangers remain undefeated in the postseason matt they uh, we talk about you want to get hot right the team that wins in the postseason in baseball
0: is the team that gets hot and they are the hottest they they were the announcers were saying how they lost three of their last four to lose the division title to lose the pennant to them and and had to go on a road and yeah they haven't lost a playoff game yet playing playing with uh, like a chip on their shoulder.
3: Get Nathan Eovaldi on the mound today. Oh, I like great. him. He's been great in the postseason.
0: I like him, yeah.
3: Saw another base running blunder yesterday by one of the best players in the game that uh, cost Houston a chance potentially to tie the game. Double play that occurred in the eighth inning with um, Jose Altuve. Man, I mean, it's like you forget what foot touched the base. And when he, when he runs past second base on a ball that was driven To deep left field you realize if that ball was hit another five feet to the left or maybe another seven or eight feet to the left it's in the Crawford boxes and Houston ties the game on a home run but it's hit you know closer uh, to straight away left and not necessarily down the line so the catch is made and Altuve's passed second base and he never retouched second base. He was only, he, I didn't think it was only like a half step past the base. And I thought you forgot to touch it.
0: I thought your whole body had to go past second base because I don't think his whole body, his whole body go past second base. All you got to do is touch it. Once you touch it to, and take one step forward, then you got to touch it to go back. That's right. Okay. Once okay.
3: you touch that base and come off the base, you got to touch it again in order to get back to the previous base. All right. And that's what he forgot. That's what uh, Bryce Harper did. Um, when he, you know, ran himself out of that inning against uh, Atlanta, or that was the uh, the game-ending play against Atlanta. He ran past the base, but he touched it on the way back, and that's what Altuve didn't do. So that was a little bit, it was not shocking to see. It's just, you know, they say it was a game of inches. Well, it was a game of feet as far as where that ball was hit, and it was a game of millimeters because Altuve's foot was really close to the base really now, close
0: in, in, uh, in basketball you know the, the team with the best player usually wins the, the championship um, it, it is but do you give the Diamondbacks a chance uh, a, a, a boxers chance to beat Philadelphia in a series absolutely I do I don't think they're
3: going to but I do give them a chance because I think Arizona has the kind of pitching where they can where they can maybe slow Philadelphia down to where you can get a couple of Four, three, five, three ball games in there, you know. I like Zach Gallen. Brandon Fat has been has been good. He's been good in the postseason, uh, and they've got a solid bullpen too. So I, I think I think Arizona man, they, I think they had the worst record of any of the teams that made it into October, and um, I think they could I think they could give Philly a good series. I don't think they're going to win it. I still I still think that Houston comes back and beats Texas. Best. And I still think you're going to see a rematch of last year's series.
0: Top five. I'll, I'll give it top five ballpark uh, as far as my favorite uh, around the league. Worst uniforms. Absolutely disgusting. Arizona? Absolutely disgusting.
3: What don't you like about them? Purple? The gray? Is it the the turquoise next to the purple? Is that what it was? It's not
0: the prettiest stuff. It's just not. Uh, yeah, the design, it looks very... Uh, I don't know what they're trying to do there. I guess maybe maybe it's just like most art. I just don't get it. You know, maybe it's just oh, I just don't understand it.
3: The other team that wears teal in Major League Baseball is going to be looking for a new general manager. Kim Ang has uh, left the Marlins a year after she helped them. You know, build them into a team that went into the postseason this year when it wasn't really expected. First female general manager in the history of the game, and uh, looks like the owner Sherman. He's the reason why Derek Jeter decided to, you know, sell his shares in the Marlins and and, and leave the ownership group. And I think uh, Kim Eng is the is basically the same reason. The owner's the one that gets the last say and, and he or she will will always remind you of that. So Good, good for her, though, for uh, for
0: at least being the first. She's a pioneer. Did you see the lady uh, that played softball? I think it was Sacramento State. Uh, she's interviewing for the, the Giants yeah. uh, manager Alyssa job.
3: Alyssa Nacken. Yeah. First ever female to interview for a major league managerial job. You know I mean? She's been on the big league coaching staff, though, for three seasons. 2020, uh, four seasons. So... It's, it's not like they're just plucking her out of anonymity and, and interviewing her. She's already been on that staff. That would be that would be interesting because she's also 33 years old, which it would be incredibly young as a major league manager. To me, that says it's not a matter that, you know, I'd be surprised if they hire her more because of her age than her gender. Thirty-three. I can't imagine. What was the? Who was, what's the youngest manager in baseball history?
0: I can't imagine anybody has been thirty-three. Wasn't Sean McBay. He was. He was thirty-one, thirty-three when he won a Super Bowl. I think 30s so. young, man. Uh, Shanahan was was pretty young. Lane Kiffin was another young coach out there getting a getting a head coaching gig. That's right.
3: Yeah. Kiffin didn't last very long in that, in that NFL but, head coaching but, gig. But, but he got
0: it. But he kept going to head coaching gig after head, you know, I guess he did have a short stint at, like everybody does, that they, they were an OC for Nick Saban for a year or two. I guess, uh, Nacken is just only one of a few people that the Giants have,
3: have, uh, have interviewed. You realize though, like if she, if they hire her, there, there will be there will there would be a lot of people that would that would think that a woman can't manage a major league baseball team a
0: lot. How, how similar is the game of to softball to baseball? Because she obviously she played at a high level. Uh, she, she understands the game. I, I wonder what the concepts are. What's the differences and similarities in so- high-level um, softball and baseball? They're,
3: they're different sports because yeah. the field is different. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of it that, that I think is different other than it just being a bat-and-ball sport. But that's why you wouldn't hire somebody that, that just is coming right out of softball to be a manager right then and there. It's like there, there are things you got to adjust to to it. But if you're sitting there as a bench coach or an assistant hitting coach – and you're learning while you're there and you're earning and gaining the respect of the players in the clubhouse. Like, I mean, the ownership in the, in the front office of the Giants, they're the ones that are right there to see this. They would understand how she is viewed by those players more so than anybody else. And I think when it comes to managing, <clears throat> when it comes to being a head coach, so much of it is the respect that you get from the people that are playing for you. You know, and I think it might be a little bit difficult at first, you know, for for a woman to get that respect in a clubhouse full of men. But then just the idea that you keep going to work on a daily basis and being the only person in that position in the entire country and can't even imagine. I'm sure there are more supporters than there are naysayers when she goes out on the road. But, you know, the naysayers are going to be loud about it and they'll let her know about it. I mean, it's almost it's not quite the same as. You know, looking at what Jackie Robinson went through, it's not the same, but there's going to be those naysayers. She's got to have really tough, thick skin, uh, and I'm rooting for it. Like, again, I'd be surprised if the Giants hire her, but I think it's more because she's 33 years old, and there will be other candidates who have been around the game longer and are older, and... But... If you're, if you're being interviewed at age 33 by a major league organization, somebody else is going to look at you too. So maybe at some point she does get that job. I'll root for her if that does happen. Uh, Andrew Ellis from 24-7 Sports will join us in just a moment. Arkansas baseball has begun their fall series today. It's a best out of three today and tomorrow 12 noon. And if they need a third game, uh, they'll uh, conclude the series on Thursday. Uh, Also at noon at Palm Walker Stadium. Andrew, of course, covers the Razorbacks for Hogsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And we'll get into the football hogs and the baseball hogs with Andrew Ellis right after this. are you in need of an attorney Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication meeting with you responding to emails and returning calls Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case criminal charges or even civil lawsuit ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results every case is important Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Andrew covering the Razorbacks for Hogsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Andrew is at Baumwalker Stadium right now. So I'm a little bit jealous. Hey, Andrew, what's going on? How are you?
6: I'm going I'm doing good Phil. I'm not stealing your spot here in your radio booth, but I am in the visiting radio booth. I'm holding it down and uh ready to ready to do what I can on the play by play department for you if you need.
3: No one's in the no one's in the booth. Go on, go in there. Just sit in Bubba's chair and, you know, leave a mess cuz that's what he would do too. Um what do you what do you <laughs> what's uh what's what they 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 play this a best of 3 that they're playing for this fall series. It's funny too cuz yeah. you know in Tuscaloosa this last weekend, Alabama and Auburn played against each other for a fall game like a little rivalry but this is that's not what arkansas wants to do dave wants his guys playing against each other because that would be a lot better than they could play against but basically anybody else that's nearby right now
6: well and honestly i'll tell you a, a big factor in it is this year they have so many position players i mean Last year, I feel like that was a strength of Arkansas' team is the position player depth they had, where you saw that when guys went down with injuries, they were kind of able to mix and match because they had the pieces to do it and the guys on the bench that they really hadn't had in previous years. But, man, just looking at these ball lineups, you look at both sides and you're like, man, that'd be a pretty good starting lineup, you know, and that's them splitting the team into two teams. I mean, they have legitimate competition going around all over the field. So playing against another opponent where you have to trim it down to nine players, I I, I asked DVH a couple weeks ago, I was like, do you think if y'all – had a game right now, could you actually narrow it down to nine? And he was like, I can maybe get through three or four before it started getting real difficult. And so I think that's part of the the motivation for them to not play anyone out is they, they got to figure out what they have. They have so many competitions they have to figure out, so many positions that are still kind of up for grabs. And I know coaches say stuff like that all all the time where they're like, oh yeah, everything's up for grabs. We're just, you know, whatever. But you know, you know Kendall Diggs is going to be in the lineup. You know Peyton Stovall is going to be in the lineup. But, you know, there's not a ton of guys like that where it's like you can just sharpie I man you know that guy's going to be playing every day i think there's a lot to figure out with this arkansas baseball team especially from a position player standpoint but that's what makes this fall so fun it's so competitive and i mean you, there's gonna be some really talented baseball players who don't end up in that starting lineup by the end of the year
0: andrew uh i want to ask you about the catchers this year do you who, who do you think will be the starting catcher maybe your top two and uh, do you think that that can be a position of strength for us this year
6: well, I'll tell you, if you'd asked me that question two months ago, I would have had a completely different answer than I do right now. I feel like it's that's kind of been one of the biggest storylines of fall ball. Um, you know, I haven't been to every single scrimmage, but me and my buddy Andrew Hutchinson, we've uh, combined to try and keep stats for every scrimmage. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers, you would think that these catchers, with no context, if you just look at the numbers, you would think that these catchers were the the top four hitters on the team. I mean, they've, they've been raking all fall. I mean, Parker Rowland just had a huge double a few minutes ago, right before you before I went on with you guys. He's leading the team. He's second on the team in home runs this fall. Hudson Polk has had one of the top batting averages, top OPSs, And those are guys who really didn't do much offensively for Arkansas. The guy who's really stood out has been the freshman Ryder Helfrick, who was one of their top freshman prospects. But you don't you know, you don't really want to put too much on a freshman and expect him to kind of fill a lineup spot, but he looks like he's one of the best freshmen in the country. I mean, he's he's been absolutely lights out and And If you ask me, I think he's been the most consistent all-around catcher on the team. I think he's probably one of the better defenders out of all of them. He's as good as any of them calling the game and handling himself back there. ton of pop with the bat. He's had several big-time home runs, big-time power swings. And I just feel like he he brings the most to the table as an overall prospect. I think his future is the brightest. BBH even compared him to James McCann, which I know will make some Hog fans really excited. And that's some pretty lofty expectations. And I say all that, and I haven't even mentioned Texas Tech transfer Hudson White, who's a guy that they pretty much brought in to be the starting catcher. I mean, he's a guy that top 250 prospect in his class. He's, he's a guy that played a lot and was productive at Texas Tech. And he's obviously coming here. He didn't come here to ride the bench, so he's going to play a good bit. So if I had to guess, I would say Ryder Helfrick ends the year as the everyday catcher. But I think someone like Hudson White could DH, could play some first. Uh, we've seen all these guys kind of move around. And, you know, they have four catchers, and they all have to play every day, so they kind of move them around, like Ryder Helfrich's playing second base today. That's not going to happen in the real season, but I think there's a realistic chance you could see three or four of these guys kind of rotate pretty heavily, especially for the first few weeks of the season, but I do think it'll be a little bit of a strength of this team, and kind of something that is a little bit surprising after what we saw last year.
3: Well, you know what it's like with DVH? If you're hitting, they're going to find a spot for you in that lineup, and... You know, that, that, that's what makes some of the fall games so interesting is when you get a chance to experiment. And so, man, I'd love to watch Helfrick play second base. There's a catcher and there's a guy who's in the Hall of Fame who started as a catcher and shifted to second base and played some center field too. And I think you were probably a big fan of his, Andrew, since you're an Astros fan. And then you got Polk in left field. Um, the fact that Hudson is hitting as well as he is would, would shock a lot of people because he was the weakest hitter on the team last year. Two freshmen are the starters today. Gabe Gakel, Hunter Dietz, again these this a righty and a lefty. Um, I think both would have been drafted. I think Gakel was drafted. Dietz certainly would have been. Um, I mean, these are guys that it's rare that true freshmen are are going to make impacts as starting pitchers. These two guys may get that chance in the in the spring.
6: Absolutely, and I mean, I think uh, Gakel in particular, I think is one that. When this coaching staff was thinking about how this team was going to line up, I don't think they were 100% convinced he was going to be a guy that they had on campus. I think they were kind of content to let him, and I, I think they wouldn't have been stunned if Dietz had gone as well. I think those are the kind of talent you're looking at here. You know, Dietz is one that, you know, uh, some of the D1 baseball guys are here, and I know, I know they're very high on him. And they've been kind of comparing him to Cole Hamels, and I, I've heard some say he could be a weekend rotation guy. I'm not ready to go that far because I think this team has enough talent. They have kind of a – that rotation with mason molina brady tiger and Hagen smith already but i think hunter deep uh, you know he has some command that he still needs to work out but left-handed gets the ball up in the mid-90s uh hard slider like that combination is has a pretty high floor i feel like i feel like it's gonna be hard for him to not have at least some success and i think he could be a really valuable piece for them maybe as like a late inning high leverage reliever that they could bring into high spots uh as a starter i think gackle has maybe the most upside of all the freshmen. I mean, he really makes his speeds. Well, has the velo. I mean, he struck out Ryder Helford on the, the first guy he faced today with a 96 mile an hour fastball up in the zone, mixes in the big breaking ball, has a little bit of a changeup. He's developing a feel for, he seems to have like the makeup and look of a potential starting pitcher. And I think he's probably one you might see in that midweek starting role, but both of those guys, I mean, from a stuff standpoint, are as good as anyone you'll see on the entire roster. And I mean, you just bringing in big time talent like that. I mean, not just freshman arms that you're kind of hoping to develop. I mean, dudes that if you needed them to, could contribute right away in huge roles for you. beauty of what Arkansas has going on is this pitching staff has so much experience and so many different skill sets kind of already established. They don't have to rely on these freshmen to, to do too much for them. If they end up contributing, cool, but it's not like they're depending on Gabe Gackle to come in and be a weekend starter, depending on Hunter Deeth to be a closer or anything like that. But I think you could see both of these guys and a few of these other freshmen. I mean, pretty much every freshman they bring out here, man, they're 93, 95. I mean, they're just big-time stuff, I mean, just all the way down the line. I mean, dudes that really have no chance of contributing are even still showing impressive stuff in these scrimmages. So it's been really competitive, and this kind of atmosphere is great for these guys to, to thrive in. And I've really enjoyed watching these two freshmen kind of have to work through some struggles here in some of these scrimmages.
3: So you and Hutch are keeping stats, huh? <clears throat> Hutch is really uh, good. Yeah, Hutch, is, Hutch is the man with, uh, with with spreadsheets and all of that stuff. It's not to say that you are, but um, – Hutch is really good at this. Is this a, is this a competition or is it teamwork?
6: No, it's team. It's absolutely teamwork. Uh, one well, part of it is, you know, there's a the scrimmage usually about two to three a week and we're not able to make it to every single one. So we usually try to have at least one guy boots on the ground and I want to shout out my, my, my guy, Daniel. She, he's a student at the university of Arkansas who's helping out with the traveler. He, he has filled in for us a couple of times and contributed. And so I, I'm not good at the spreadsheet stuff. I'm just good at scoring baseball games and, Watching ball and talking ball, so I go score it and I send it to Hutch, and then he does the spreadsheet thing. And so we kind of have this nice little thing. And you know, these are unofficial numbers, and it's not a huge sample size, but I feel like it's really helpful for us to kind of contextualize some of what we're seeing here in the fall. And so it's been really fun to watch. And uh, yeah, we've had a good uh, we've had a good little little operation going so far.
3: Give me a thought on on the infield. You know, you're um, hopefully hopefully Peyton Stovall comes back. Uh, healthy from shoulder surgery. I know they don't expect him to play in the fall, but they're certainly hoping he'll be ready uh, to uh, at least, you know, be in the lineup once you get into February. Uh, and he'll be either at second base if that arm is good or, you know, you see him at first base. And maybe McLaughlin plays a little first base. I think they'd like to get his bat in that lineup too. The left side of the lineup, is, or the left side of the infield, is all totally being remade. Uh, you know, you lose Caleb Callie. You lost John Bolton uh, without eligibility. Uh, I'm really interested in Wahiwa Aloy. Nolan Souza from Hawaii. Freshman I think is going to probably get a chance to contribute. Um, You brought in other guys that can play third base. What do you think on the left side of the infield?
6: Well, I'll tell you. The one thing that's become abundantly clear, it took about five seconds of fall practice to get this one. Wahiwa Aloy is a starting shortstop and he might be the most talented player on the entire team, bar none. Uh, I, I mean, he's I, th- I knew he was good. I mean, you look at his numbers as a freshman at Sacramento State, you don't do what he did. Even in a, you know, obviously it's not the SEC, but you don't hit 375 as a true freshman in college baseball unless you got something going on. Um, he's a better defender than I expected. You know, his defensive numbers weren't great. I didn't go back and watch this dude's film. I wasn't watching Sacramento State games to really investigate, but I saw the numbers were a little bit iffy. And so I was kind of like, okay, we'll see what we got here. But man, he's been lights out. And I asked him about it the other day, and he said that almost all of his errors last year were throwing errors. And that, you know, it's after like two days of working with his coaching staff, they kind of fixed something mechanically and his, his you know, kind of cleaned up some of his, you know, his, his mechanics there in terms of throwing to first base. And it hasn't been an issue since. That's like, you know, he, he body type, he's a lot like Jalen Battles. Um, but Dave, Dave Van Horn actually said he's a little bit bigger and stronger than Battles was at this point in his career. Um, you know, Jalen, by the time he left Arkansas had filled out pretty nicely and had a ton of power that he was showing, but. But he was a little bit more naturally stronger, a little just a big time athlete, really imposing figure out there. Shortstop, kind of like the modern six two six three. You know, back in the day, it was shortstops you really didn't see that many big ones. But he's kind of fitting the modern bill of what a shortstop looks like in twenty twenty three. And I mean, he's shown big time power to all fields. He mishits a few balls that somehow sneak out of right field. I mean, he just oozes talent, and he just he's such a smooth athlete. And he seems to be getting better and better in the field every day. I think sky's the limit for what he can do. And DBH has said as as much as that. He's the sharding shortstop. There's not really much of a conversation there. Third base is a little more interesting. Peyton Holt is a guy that, you know, obviously everyone saw what he could do and the kind of spark he can bring to a lineup last year down the stretch. And I think that he was a, it was a little bit of a question mark because it's like, okay, do you pencil him into a spot? If you do, where's that spot at? He had a lot of success at second base, but you would assume is going to be there. But the place I I really think Peyton Holt is kind of separated from the gap. I think at third base, he's the, he's, he's the, most solidified option they have so far this fall. He's performed as well as anyone at that spot. He's defended well. He's hit he's hit three twenty in the scrimmages that we've been able to see. Um, he's been really consistent, and he brings that energy, you know, like that I mentioned. That it's just obvious. I mean, you you know you're watching Peyton Hole play baseball. I mean, he just goes all out all the time. He's making diving plays. He's hustling out down the first baseline. Like he just brings it every day. And and now that he's fully healthy, you know, he he played down the stretch last year pretty banged up, but now that he's healthy. I think he's kind of. So, you know, solidified his claim as a starter and a leader for this team. And I think third base is going to be the most likely spot we see him at. And he's done a good job there. So I feel like those two positions through for the offseason are kind of question marks. But the two guys that are going to end up there, in my opinion, Holt and, the, and Alloy, um, really big-time pieces that are going to be as important as anyone in this Arkansas lineup. And, uh, you know, Peyton Stovall is an interesting one because, again, we haven't been able to watch him this fall. He was hurt down the stretch last year. You know, plays through that injury a little bit, which I think is skewing some people's perception of him. But DVH has said he's going to be the second baseman when he's healthy. They expect him to be ready for the season. Until told otherwise, I'm just going to expect that to be the case that he's going to be a second base when he's healthy. First base is kind of the, I would say in, on the infield, that's the biggest question mark to me because I think you have guys like Ben McLaughlin, Jack Wagner, the transfer from Tarleton State. Maybe Jason Jones kind of fills in there. You have a Reese Robinette. There's a few other options. I think that's going to be just kind of whoever has the hot bat. I think you could see a little bit of a rotation there. Um, So there are some, you know, replacements to be made and some question marks, but I think there's a ton of talented options, and I think the cream just kind of will rise to the top. And, you know, with the, the pieces Arkansas has, I think they're going to be able to mix and match as well as they've ever been able to. And kind of, we might see a different lineup every day for the first few weeks of the season.
3: Andrew, we'll let you go with that, man, because I know you got you got uh, you got to score the game, you got to write something, and then you got to get homes, so you, you know, like in two hours, because your Strohs need a win today, don't they?
6: They absolutely need a win, and they're going to get a win today. And uh, I'm just glad that we didn't have to talk football today, Phil. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed talking some baseball.
0: You're listening to the East
1: Side Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online.
0: This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent.